Conversations about the idea of new creation. Uh, Sarah kicked us off last time by delving into one of her personal favorites, a favorite of many from uh, Revelation 21. And we're going to unpack the idea of new creation going backwards through the Bible, um, not just for the novelty of it, um, but because. I think of a really good theological point that is made through a really terrible example. Um, Sarah and I both went to a seminary where there was a long-remembered professor who uh, used to, he said, read mystery novels by going to the last chapter first, finding out who did it, reading that chapter, and then going back to see how everything got to that point. Uh, many people would argue that's a terrible way to read mysteries because you like finding out how it happens along the way. But the good professor Bowman, who used to do this, did it not because he thought it made the reading better, but I think as a just to be a sermon illustration for how the story of the Bible went. Because he said, uh, following in the long line of many other good theologians, um, the idea that the Christian story is one that we know how the story ends, and that changes how we live uh, and, and see the rest of life in the meantime. So this idea of new creation is this is where everything is headed, a, a renewal, a restoration, a, a brand spanking new creation um, is where things are headed, and that changes how we live in the meantime. So that's what this whole series is about, looking at how the Bible does that, and doesn't just do it in the last chapters, but actually that is being hinted at throughout. So where are we going to go in particular today, Erica? Well, since we started in Revelation last week, we're moving now to the epistles, and we're going to be in um, 2 Corinthians and Galatians. So we'll start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll pick up in verse 16. Where Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view. We know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us a mystery of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on your behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in, in him we might be made the righteousness of God. So in, in here we get that line again. Everything is being made new. And again, it, it kind of harks back to um, when we were talking about the resurrection a mm -hmm. few episodes back in our Latin series um, of how... Um, through what Christ did on the cross and through his resurrection, he is making all people new, all things new. I think that's a helpful distinction. It's not the world being made new necessarily here, but us. It's people being made new. And hopefully then, because we're made new, we also then turn around and continue that newness mm -hmm. and like make our world a better place. But specifically here, it is... We who are in Christ has been made new. So the point you're trying to emphasize, uh, am, I, am I hearing it, is like that the problem with the current status of things is not just the dirt is bad and we need new dirt and I'm perfectly fine, I just need a new environment to live in, mm -hmm. but that I'm part of the problem and I mm -hmm. need to be made new. And that yeah. the good news isn't just God will give us new new environment, but that the things in me that are in need of being restored and renewed are being renewed. 
Right, and I and because I'm not good at Greek, and we're not actually looking at the Greek, we're looking at the English. I think that the verb tenses might be odd, but it makes it sound like it's either already happened or is continuing to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not a future event. It's you know we are currently being made new, or we have been made new. Um, again, I'm unclear as to the verb tenses because Greek is not my forte. And I'm thinking, and this is a really, really hazy because this is going way, way back to the last time I spent any time in this passage, but I, I think even from the way I've seen other uh, paraphrased translations that try and get at what's going on in the Greek, I think this might be one of those funny places where Greek is allowed to get away without a verb, and we're left with sort of a, ah, how's it supposed to be? And, like, I've seen people who translate mm -hmm. it as, like, if anyone's in Christ, voila, new creation! Or, like, you just <laughs> skip the verb altogether. Um, <laughs> but definitely the idea is something new has begun, not mm -hmm. maybe in the future this will be a possibility. And I think that's an important idea because, as you touched on a couple of episodes ago too, Erica, the idea that uh, Christianity isn't just... Um, well, there's no hope for this life, but maybe you'll get a spot mm -hmm. in the afterlife. But mm -hmm. the, the, what the Bible sometimes calls eternal life is something that begins now and that the biblical writers treat as this new reality that has begun for us. So, yep, it continues even beyond death, mm -hmm. but now this new kind of life has begun and God has begun this new creation in us, too. And really, this new reality started even before any, long before any of us were alive. It started, again, at the cross and the resurrection. And it's been working its way, you know, this new life has been working its way through generations of Christians. Um, and, and with every new Christian, we get to that point in our life where we, we recognize that God is doing this new thing in us. This is a moment, if you're willing, for me to add a bit of um, shameless promotion for a bit of church nerdery that I've come to love <laughs> over the years. Love church uh, nerdery. So, um, this bit of church nerdery is the all four of the gospel accounts note that Jesus is raised from the dead on mm -hmm. the first day of the week, the beginning yes. of a new week, right? And uh, in at some point in church um, thinking, and when we started having our own buildings and we're just meeting people's houses. Um, people started designing and building the spaces that people were baptized in as eight-sided shapes, as octagons. Our, our baptismal font at, at the uh, both the churches where I serve, the, the frame rack tagonal. That's not just our weird idea. It, there's this long, long tradition of octagonal baptismal fonts because uh, Jesus rises on the first day of a new week, in other words, the eighth day, and that what happens in Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of a new creation. What happens in baptism is the beginning of a new creation. So for a long time, I just thought it was people like stop signs, but there's actual long, long, long-standing imagery and symbolism that eight is this number, this eight-sidedness, is that Jesus rises from the dead on the first day of a second week of a new week. On Jesus rises on the eighth day, uh, so to speak, and it's it's a new creation imagery that that uh, for somebody who for 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 a, the biblical story that starts with God creates in seven days, eight then becomes the number of new creation, um, and that at some point somebody said that's what baptism is all about too, and that's what resurrection is all about. I've, I've come to love that imagery and make a point of any time I can shoot that in, like right now, that 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 that's, that's like woven into some of the imagery and symbolism of our worship spaces. That for a lot of my life I didn't even know. Uh, and again, it's not universal; not everywhere does that. But there's an intentionality. It's not just ah, eh, this shape is close to the circle, little fiddle circular bowl inside nicely. There's been intentionality in that design. Now that you mention that, because I've never heard that before, I think I think the font at my church. It's the same way. I'm going to have to go check that out next time I'm in the, I'm in the building. 
Can I have to go count the sides? Yeah. <laughs> Does it look yeah, like a stop sign? <laughs> yes. Anyway, so the the at some point in church history, uh, people began to take seriously that this new mm-hmm. creation has begun now. Maybe they would start from the beginning if they were just reading their Bible. That this is a new thing that's begun now in us. Uh, what what does that what does that mean? Because like we live in this tension of there's a lot of me that isn't new <laughs> that's mm-hmm. slowly wearing down. In fact, what, what 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 does it mean to talk about us being new creations while we're still also human beings with these physical bodies that wear out? And in a universe that obeys the second law of, ther- of thermodynamics, it says everything is wearing out. What is, what does it mean to say we're new creations? I think that this has, I think this would have been a good passage we could have also touched base on for our atonement series. Mm, Okay. Because there's quite a bit of um, language about forgiveness without actually saying the word forgiveness. Yeah. Um, Because that uh, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. This, I think, is a really important, maybe, <clears throat> I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation, even though it's not technically in the bounds of our atonement uh, series, um, because the the way that Paul talks about what happens at the cross, it, it talks about forgiveness without saying somebody had to pay a price. It, it, it uses intentionally the language of reconciling, which is more mm-hmm. like when two people make up and say, I know we said words to each other, we're putting those aside, we're done. And there's not necessarily a payment of a debt, but more like, are we okay? Are we, yeah, we're okay. We're okay again. We can be friends again. And that, that doesn't require the payment of a debt or the punishment of a crime to happen. Mm. And nobody has to fight a battle for that to happen either. And this isn't even so much the moral influence idea of, now that God did this, now you have to be good. It's more like Paul is saying, God did the reconciling. That's a done deal. God is saying Mm. from God's side, we're cool. You burnt the bridge, but I rebuilt it. And then Paul says, and our job as ambassadors is to go tell the world that it's true, that it's already accomplished, not that if you do something, you can make it happen. And I think that's a huge real-world implication for um, what it means to be a Christian, that we are not religious salespeople. I think sometimes we get caricatured Mm -hmm. as our job is to sell people on something, and if you do these five things, then the afterlife can be yours. When Paul sees it more as, God did the reconciling. That's an accomplished fact. That's a gift that's been handed to you. Here it is. Maybe you weren't aware, but God's done this thing. That we're not selling anything, um, but announcing something that's already a free gift. I think that, at least to me is the only reason I can get up and do my job in the morning. If I were just a religious salesperson, I couldn't do it. I, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I, I, it just would feel icky to me. But like, it's, not, it's not that we're looking to sell anything, um, but that we're announcing something that God's already done. The other thing that, if we're going to open this can of worms, uh, that Paul gets into is just how big and wide that reconciling is. Mm. Because Paul uses the big word, world, that God was reconciling the world to God's self and not that there's this select few people who are the worthy mm-hmm. people. That's, again, it seems to me like a pretty big deal. And, if, and it mm-hmm. makes sense. If God's making a new creation, it's gotta be, we've got to be talking in big terms, that God has reconciled the world, uh, and because that's, that's the way you talk if you're talking about God making a new creation, not that God's picked out a handful of worthy ones and decided that those are the people Jesus died for. Yeah, it seems to me that the more I read the Bible, the more that the new creation talk happens in the Bible is that God keeps widening 
our idea of who is included. Mm -hmm. And so since we're working our way backwards, I think that we might actually see this shrink a little tiny bit. But, like, since we're still in the New Testament, it's still, like, a pretty big circle, right? Like, um, especially in the epistles, there seems to be this struggle with who is included in this new church of Jesus followers? Is it just... uh, Jewish people who believe in Jesus, or is it also Gentiles who believe in Jesus? And so it's this widening of uh, God's people isn't just the Jews, it's also the Gentiles. Um, so, you know, the world is, it's not just the Jewish people, it's also the Gentiles. And I'd even add a further layer of how radical that is, because most of the time in the New Testament, uh, the word world isn't a neutral world, a word it's usually got this negative bent of, yeah, that's how the world mm-hmm. works. And it's got that sort of like, the world as in, you know, the sinful world that is turned against mm-hmm. God. And to say that God reconciles with the world uh, is like a way of saying that while the world has turned its back on God, God hasn't given up. And God isn't waiting for us to make the first move either. Mm-hmm. The imagery is God saying, they're dead set against me, but I, that won't stop me. I'm not waiting for them to come around. God's the one who makes the move and does the reconciling. Um, to me, this feels very much like the lived experience. Uh, maybe and maybe Paul is thinking of real people in his own life he fought with, because he fought with people. Um, and we've all been in those moments where, like, when you've had a disagreement with somebody, and you say, well, if they come crawling back to me, or if they, I'll say I'm sorry if they say I'm sorry first, or I'll forgive them if they come to me first. And sometimes we assume that must be how it is with God, that God's sitting up in heaven going, I'll, I'll forgive them if they come to me and ask for it first. And Paul says, no, God's the mature one who says they aren't ready to say I'm sorry yet, but I will come and reconcile with them first. Mm-hmm. That God is the one who always takes that vulnerable first step, even knowing that we are arms crossed, brow furrowed, turned away from God. That's a big deal, I think. Um, are there other things, Erica, that you want to lift up from this particular passage to help us hear what new creation is all about? As we're talking about the world, I'm thinking, you know, we're talking how inclusive the world is. It makes me think of uh, Galatians 3, 28. Let me find it here. Um, Where Paul writes, there is no longer Greek nor Jew. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female for all are one in Christ Jesus. And, And that's, I think, part of that newness that those things that tend to divide us, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be gender or um, nationality or or faith or or traditions, you know, because everything is being made new, those things no longer have to divide us. And it's interesting to me, um, I think this may be a recurring theme for this whole series, how the verses you just read follow on... Paul saying in 27, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. That baptism Mm -hmm. is just like, that what it is to be brought into the people of God, those old boundaries no longer divide us. Um, Mm -hmm. But also, to to borrow the the direction we went last episode when we talked about Revelation 21, that there's not like a forced homogeny. It's not like, all right, well, the way God's going to make us all get along is we're all going to be male now, or we're all going to be Greek, or we're all going to be Jewish Mm -hmm. now. But that this new creation, and that's, that was the thing, that nobody stopped being ethnically Jewish or Greek to belong uh, to the church. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what you brought, but that those things didn't define us anymore. And that the old, even, even um, economic classes, you know, the, the owners and the, and the slaves, um, that mm-hmm. it, they, they couldn't stop that the, the empire was still going to treat you like a slave. So to be a, a church member wasn't to say, well, I don't have to be a slave anymore because I'm a Christian. Nope, you wouldn't, had to go back to your regular life where the master might treat you like a slave. But that the early church said these things won't won't divide us any longer in the world. We could be one, even though we bring all those differences. That's a, that's an important idea. 
And then at the end of Galatians in chapter six, Paul's talking just a little bit. He he talks about this in a bunch of different places about the, um, especially earlier on in his ministry, I think in the book of Acts, it talks about it too, um, about the circumcision and, and do people need to be circumcised to become Christians? Right. And he says, you know, um, in, in Galatians six, chapter 15, for neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. Again, it's that idea that these old traditions that you've had, you don't necessarily have to follow them. I mean, if if you're a Jew, if you're circumcised, that's great, that's wonderful, good for you. But that doesn't mean that every male from right. here on out needs to follow. Because again, Jesus created something new. Right. And there's this lack of division. You know, having to follow some of the old rules and the old ways of doing things don't pertain to us anymore. And that that's an important piece because, like the, the as the early church wrestled with who is included, one of the options the early church wrestled with. You see this is certainly in the mm-hmm. Book of Acts and a lot of Paul's letters is okay. Well, we'll let Gentiles in if they become Jewish first. And yeah. that was okay. Well, we'll let you become a Christian. Anybody's allowed to believe in Jesus, but you must practically you know become Jewish. You have to keep the kosher laws. Mm-hmm. You have to be circumcised if you're male. And basically, it was um, uh, we'll we'll be we'll be one. We'll have unity by forced. Uh, uniformity mm-hmm. and the early church. I mean, that was a live option. The church, the first big gathering they had that we sometimes call the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, is about this question: Is that going to solve the problem? And the answer the early church came up with was: No, you didn't have to stop being Jewish or, or, or Jewish or Gentile. You didn't have to stop being Gentile mm-hmm. to become a Christian. And that that meant the church deliberately chose, knowingly chose the messier path of: We're going to be a community where we're not all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was okay. I mean, And again, you can tell the church is really, really wrestling with this because they knew this is going to be a lot tougher if we mm-hmm. all just mandate everybody says no to bacon mm-hmm. cheeseburgers and we're all going to do the, the Jewish traditions. That will be, it will be our culture that all binds us together and that's what will make us all the same. And the, the church seemed to be convinced that the Spirit of God was saying, no, I mean something wider and bigger mm-hmm. and necessarily messier. Um... That, I think, is a really important idea. Again, living in the world and the culture that we live in, where sometimes we assume the way to get us all to get along is, well, as long as we're all the same, then, mm-hmm. then that, the, so mm-hmm. the solution is make everybody be the same. Um, and the New Testament itself says, no, we chose against that. We, we, and it's not just by our own whim, but that's where they were convinced the Spirit was leading them, and that's where they were convinced Christ was leading them. Um, we spent a little bit of time there in uh, Galatians uh, 3 and Galatians 6. Are there other things that in this passage or in this area, in either of these uh, passages, that we want to highlight about what it, what it means to live this new creation? So I think we've touched on this very briefly, but we've also touched on it briefly in the Atonement series at the very end. Um, but that part of this living in the new creation, I think, is tied up in our baptismal identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this in, um, I think it was Romans 8 and Colossians. Was it Colossians? Could be. In, in the very last episode of our Atonement mm-hmm. series, where we talked quite a bit about um, our bat- our bat- being baptized in the same baptism as Jesus, and that tied us in with... Um, his death, and then ultimately his resurrection, which then tied back into Revelation 21, which is how we open this mm-hmm. series. So it's kind of come full circle. But that the belief that uh, which is shows up so often in Paul's epistles of our baptism, which is our the beginning of our faith journey, is us becoming a new creation. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, as the, as the the people of God today, then what 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 is it? What is that? I guess what what's the, the take home for us? What what is it? Why why does it matter to hear this baptismal connection? Um, I think going back to Galatians three twenty seven and twenty eight, it goes back to you know as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You know, therefore we are no longer you know, Jew or Greek, male or female, you know, all of those things that we use to just, um, you know, put ourselves in boxes and mm-hmm. label ourselves, um, to set ourselves apart, um, often in a hierarchical sense. Um, cause th- this, uh, verse 28 of there is no longer male and female as a feminist theologian is, is it's one of those verses that, I support because it means that I am not lesser mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. the men around me. Um, but at the same time, we clearly still have genders in mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. society. Right, right, right. Um, you know, I still identify as female, mm-hmm. even though this verse says there's no more male or female. Um, it just means that for me that those walls have kind of been knocked down. And I have that because I've been baptized same as you, Steve, who I assume, uh, you know, uh, identify as male. That is correct. Um, because that's how you at least present yourself. So it's, you know, there isn't a hierarchical sense because right. you are a man and I am a woman that you are therefore better than I right. am. Um, luckily in our society, we don't really have the same sort of slavery that Paul was referring to here about no longer slave or free. Um, you know, I think we could get into semantics about, sure. you know, the sex slave, slaves mm-hmm. and et cetera. But, um, and, you know, Jew or Greek, there might be equivalents in society today. Mm-hmm. But that those things ultimately do not matter when it comes to the Christian church, that we are all on or, equal ground. Or at least... Paul is telling us they shouldn't have, and yet, right. like that famous line of Dr. King, Sunday morning is still the most segregated segregated hour in America. Um, and even though we don't have um, uh, an official practice of slavery, whether what it looked like in the empire or what it looked like in American history, mm. there sure is a vast discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, and wherever we fall on that spectrum of income, it's easy to, to make that into a, a source of hostility. And... Uh, that, again, Paul's point seems to be that what defines us as Christians is not, oh, well, we've all got this exact median income, or we've all got, mm. like, the, the, we're deliberately going to be this community that includes and 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 has that, that breadth of everybody in that, mm. we're, you know, wherever on that spectrum, whatever, whatever uh, national background, whatever socioeconomic background, all those things are meant to be included, and those things aren't meant to define us. Now, we have had 2,000 years now of treating this passage like it doesn't exist, <laughs> or like, well, because it says it in the Bible, we don't have to live it. And maybe this is one of the places I want to ask both of your thoughts about what it means to take these passages about new creation seriously. And what I mean by that is, on the one hand, well, Paul, in all these passages we've talked about today, treats the new creation not as a potential thing that might happen, but as a new thing that is a definite, it's mm-hmm. happened, God's begun it already. On the other hand, to look at actual objective reality as we live it, we sure don't live up to that a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Are there, are there 
are there guidelines, are there dangers? Uh, when we read these words about new creation, um, should we just say, it already, the new creation has already happened, therefore any things that we, anyways, we're divided amongst each other, there's nothing we can do about it, the new creation's already come. Or should we be more like, God says there's a new creation, and we're not living like there's a new creation, we should be living differently because we're not practicing what Paul says is already true. I, I, like, how do we deal with the fact that these words are glorious, beautiful, lofty words that speak of an ideal, and that we consistently fall short of that ideal? Well, it is, as you said, Steve, it is an ideal. It's something that we should strive to reach to the best of our abilities. Unfortunately, our old nature still tends to to have a, a um, strong grasp on us. Mm-hmm. Um, our old self, the self that was before our baptism, the self that was us before we died in the waters of baptism, before this new creation came to us. And that's, a, that's not an excuse to allow um, those things to continue. It's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And so... For me, I try as much as I possibly can to live into this new reality, uh, knowing that I'm going to occasionally mess up. Mm. But to go back to um, the Corinthians passage about the reconciliation, it is my job then in those areas where I have messed up, where I have done wrong, where I have not lived in the new creation, not only to seek God's forgiveness, but to seek the forgiveness of those of who I might have hurt by not living into this new creation. That's an interesting idea. I'd never put these these uh, together before, but like we, when we spent the time in Corinthians, we said the message was like, God says the world is reconciled, and our job is to be ambassadors who announce it. That maybe in a similar way, God said that new creation has begun, and part of our job is to keep telling each other where we keep sliding into the mm-hmm. old creation, the sort of the old separations, the I'm more important because I'm male, or, or you know, whatever, that we're called to keep calling each other, no, 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 don't you remember? It's a new creation. Oh, that's right, it's a new creation. And that part of what mm-hmm. we keep doing for each other um, is that anytime we're settling for less than that new creation, calling each other into, this is what we're meant to be mm-hmm. about. And not in the fearful way of, you better be good or else you're going to hell kind of way. Because Paul doesn't have that edge of threat in any of this. It's, mm-hmm. the new creation has begun. You're settling for less than what God has made us to be. You're failing to be mm-hmm. what God has made us to be uh, and enabled us to be uh, when we do that. And that, that may be the, the idea. Announcing what God's done and saying, but we're failing, we're, we're, we're not living up to that idea. We could be, we could be, so much fuller, so much more, that kind of thing. And I think it's definitely something that we have to continue, always be continuing Uh to strive for. um, Because, for example, in our world, there's a lot of racism and sexism. And um, as well as lots of other isms, but I'm going to highlight those two in particular. um, That, you know, you could easily take verse 28 and say there is no more, no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free. No more male or female, no more black and white, et cetera, et cetera. But I think a sloppy way to do that would be to try to pretend that, oh, there's no more, like, I no longer see color. Right. I mm-hmm. and, and I think yeah. that's, I think that would be a sloppy way to do it, but I think that would be a default way to do it. So, like, catching ourselves when we realize that we're doing that and yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, just because it says there's no longer whatever those issues still exist in our world and that we need to be aware of them as well as be aware that there is a lot of history and tradition tied up with a lot of those things Mm -hmm. like um being black in america um or being a woman in america Mm -hmm. and that those things shouldn't be erased because often when those things are erased then the default is white straight male which isn't 
necessarily the ideal. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it is something that we need to always be striving for as we're in conversation and in relationship with each other about, you know, um, what does it mean that there is no longer Jew or Greek, Mm -hmm. no longer slave or free, no longer male and female? Like, what exactly does that mean? What does that look like for me as a white woman? What does that mean for... um, somebody who is a black woman mm-hmm. what does that mean mm-hmm. for um the black teenager who likes to wear hoodies but is now afraid to wear hoodies right. like mm-hmm. what does that mean now in today's world i think you've hit on something really really important as a take home for us that whatever whatever paul does mean when he talked about there's no male and female or mm-hmm. greek or jew or any of these categories that he's not saying uh, that we pretend those things don't exist mm-hmm. and that everybody's a, some mm-hmm. sort of imaginary blank slate or something like that. But it means that we own what those differences are and that those things don't have to be what divides us anymore. Mm-hmm. That we don't break the world into, oh, you fit this category, therefore you're better than the other half mm-hmm. of this polarity. Yeah. Um, and that's really important, especially you know in, in these kind of categories that we with the, the our, our culture is still really really strugglingly bad at. And sometimes religious people say, "Oh, the solution is you just pretend it's not there." You that that means, "Oh, the, I don't see color." No, it, it means I can see what the background you come from, and to know that's going to have shaped your story in ways that I can only guess at, rather than, uh, "Oh, your skin color is different, but I assume that you are identical to me in every other way." And you also must like the same movies and songs and that kind of thing. No, to, but to let the person where, be where they're at uh, rather than I just pretend that there's no difference at all. Mm-hmm. Can I use you as an example of somebody who does this well, Steve? Okay. Um, you, you recognize that both Sarah and I are, are women and and while you don't treat us any differently than I've, I've seen you treat other male colleagues that are, that are pastors, you also recognize, though, that as women, we face different struggles that you, that you do mm, as okay. a male pastor. And I think that's exactly what Paul's getting at. You know, it, yes, you're you're a guy. We're women. There are going to be some differences, but that does not mean that you know you treat us as equally as I've seen you treat any male colleague. But you also recognize that there are some things that we're going to struggle with because of right, our right, gender right. and thousands of years of history. <laughs> um, and and you try to seek that out and, and to understand us. And you often have asked me personally. I know questions about how. That affects my ministry, and and I appreciate that because it, you're recognizing that, you know, you're recognizing the differences in a good way, and, that, and trying to bring about this this new life, this new creation that we're talking about. That's helpful to hear, and I imagine that all three of us, as uh, people who are white Americans, <laughs> also there are places where we have challenges and need to look for mm-hmm. where are there are other folks who can help us. To see, it's a lot about blind spots. It's a lot yeah. about not that anybody's looking to be malicious so much as like we have this limited view mm-hmm. of the world or of life from what we've experienced and to be able to say, oh, you see it differently, help me to see the places where I'm missing it. Yeah. Um, if that's really what's going on here in Galatians, that's a mind-blowing, radical idea mm-hmm. that we've found thousands of years to silence <laughs> because that's a lot harder than mm-hmm. just uh, let's let the men be in charge forever or... Um, it's harder than, I'll just pretend there aren't any differences, and yeah. I'll presume that Jew and Greek are all basically the same, or saying, I don't see color, I don't know. It means mm-hmm. being able to meet people where they're at, and taking the risk of hearing, they will see things about themselves and about me that I can't mm-hmm. see. That's a humbling thing. Um, 
there's plenty more conversation for us to have in this series, but for today, maybe we need to stick a pin in it. But this idea seems to me like, I think we've ended on the point that I hope is really immediately practical, that for all the talk about new creation that could sound very pie in the sky, man, one day it'll be great, in the meantime, you know, uh, but like here in the meantime, uh, how, how do we live? Well, we, we live looking for other people who can help us to see more clearly and honestly, mm-hmm. and maybe people who can catch the blind spots that each of us bring to, to life. Well, um, we'll join you next time, if you dare, for more fun <laughs> in this new creation. Get on Crazy Face Talk. See you guys. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.